Well, Bianca, such a gift to have you here with us at Thank our you. conference, Sparkle Conference. We're recording this and on Talking Church, it is a true gift. You've been just, you preached two messages and just so many people were coming out, just inspired, encouraged, excited for all that, all that you were telling them to do, but just, we're just excited. We're happy I love it. My hope is that people fall in love with God more and then love his word more. Side note, I just noticed how I said God. I said God. Like being in Minnesota Come on, has we're dragged that. out my accent. But you have Minnesota roots. <laughs> okay, I do. I married them. And every time I come here, I'm like, oh my God. You married one person. You said them. Oh, one, yeah, right. well, no, I feel like I married the whole family. <laughs> That's what I've realized with Minnesotans. Like oh, y'all, yeah. y'all are run deep. Y'all are. We thick. don't have anything else to do in the winter other than just stay in the house with the family. <laughs> that is true. So COVID, like lockdown in the winter, was just kind of like normal. You're like, yeah, all right, like, oh, we just gotta is, stay inside. Yeah, normal. this is January. It's negative twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you're from California. Born and raised. And yes. you live there, and you're you still there. You're not one of the people that left. You no. know, I, how many people are? Are there a lot of people leaving, or is okay, it maybe so false there perception? There is. There is a lot of people leaving, but what people aren't saying is how many people are still coming into California sure. because I don't know if they told you, but it's the promised land. Mm. California is the promised land. So think about How this. How do you define the, the promised land? Well, I mean, land. okay, so if you want a beach, you can be a beach in 20 mm. minutes. You want the mountains, you can be in the mountains in 20 minutes. You want a desert, you can be in the desert in 30 minutes. You want Disneyland, what you want? Magic Mountain, what you want? Napa? I mean, we, we got it all, brother. It is true. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty epic, but it is so expensive. I call it sunshine tax. That's why our rent is <laughs> yeah. so expensive, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting because not being from, I mean, I've been to California several times, but it's like geographically, I think there's no question it's got to be the best state geographically. I, I mean, mean you could I don't want to throw shade on, on Min Minnesota, but like, I think it's pretty epic. I really Minnesota do. or California? California. Oh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I mean, Minnesota is amazing too. If you go Well, my north, husband but... says, he's like, no, you have to go in fall because Minnesota oh, yeah. in fall is gorgeous. He yeah. talks about it all the time. Every time you're here in fall though, you're like speaking and you're busy and you're not able to go outside. I've never. You need to stay no. an extra day and like go okay. hiking. So I, I have been to, I think it's Wyzetta. Wyzetta, yeah. Wyzetta. That yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah. That was stunning. Yeah, that's on the, the lake. There? On the lake, yep. it's a very bougie area. Oh, that's what I pieced together real quick. I was it like, is. oh, I see you. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, Oh, yeah, that's lovely. like the area if you have a date night or you go out, you're like, I don't want to go downtown, but I want to go somewhere that's still nice. You'd go to Wyzetta. And so I, I have experienced the beauty. And then I did. I was here when it was negative 10. Mm. And I told my husband, if you ever have a God call <laughs> to come back to the motherland, I think that's grounds for a divorce. Because <laughs> I'm Puerto Rican. Like my people do islands and water, yeah. not snow. So it's... It's been an adventure, friend. Yeah, it's it's insane. You have to keep asking God, do you want me to stay? You, do you want me to are stay? Are you sure? God. Yes, yeah. are you sure? And, and he keeps saying yes to us and our family, and so we're glad. But Okay, here's the thing, because the Bible speaks about being baptized by fire, but like to be called to Minnesota, you have to be baptized by snow. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> once it's a certain temperature, it actually feels like you're burning. So it's, <laughs> it's, pretty, <laughs> it's pretty similar, you know. Did when they, you hear yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus help me. Welcome, welcome to Minnesota in the, in January, February. But we don't need to talk about how cold Minnesota is. No, uh, let's talk about Jesus. Especially for those who are going to come to anything that we're doing. And hey, come to our roundtable in February. Never, <laughs> never in February. You, Bianca said she would never do it. Um, but talk to us about you know the church you you planted. You let's you, there's talk so church. many there's yes. so many stories that I'm sure we could dive into that we shared. I, I also feel like like you're like a part of the teaching team now because you're just here all the time. <laughs> and it's like Bianca's just part of the teaching team. But talk to us about like what's been on your mind as a church getting back, obviously yeah. California, there's, there's realities of, okay, it's maybe what does opening look like right. as people are figuring out online. I mean, you have story after story after story. I'm sure we could dive into, but what's kind of been on the front of your, your mind as you are thinking about 
yeah. church right now. So um, this podcast is all about talking church. And so I want to make sure that those that are listening feel like that there's something that applies not just to a California context or sure. a female pastor context, but like the thing that has been burning on my heart is this sense of resilience. Mm. Like we as a church, if you want to talk church, never more in the last decade, I will not say a century, but in the last decade, have we had to really wrestle with resiliency. Am I really called? Because when the rubber meets the road at this point, see when everything's fine and inflation is low and you know everyone's coming in and everyone loves the coffee and everyone loves the worship and everyone yeah. loves a large experience and nobody's crying. Now we're experiencing something really different. And so uh, Kerry Newhoff, if you're familiar yeah. with him. So mm -hmm. he has, um, I believe he spoke about it. It's like the great job exodus. I, I think I might be botching that. What the, did he call it? Yeah, the great resignation. Resignation, yeah. the great resignation. Yep. And so we're seeing so many church leaders. And so, yes, I, for those that don't know, my husband and I planted a church three years ago. We were open for 15 months, but then COVID closed us for 17 months. Mm. So it was, so I you're mean- you were closed longer than you were mm, open in mm, person. Brother, yeah. yes, yes. It was, wow. it was a nightmare. And we're from California. So our governor was super strict on mandates. And for larger churches that had like outdoor spaces, California- Churches could meet outdoors, but sure. we were a mobile church. We lost our venue in the middle of COVID. Um, we did, I, I literally was reaching out to churches locally to see if we can record a message just so that we could do YouTube, you know, air quotes live. Well, it's like portable church is already a challenge, but then it's like portable church, Brother. COVID, and it's like Brother. no one will rent. And then- No, uh, yeah. you can't do schools. And um, at one point when we found out that our venue was going bankrupt, the- owner was trying to charge us for a year in advance and he was going to give us this, you know, really great price. And then that's when the sheriff came to our doorstep at six o'clock on a Saturday morning to service a lien on the building. And that's when we discovered. So by the grace of God. So you didn't end up signing that contract. Oh, heck no, brother. Yeah. We, we did. You know what we did? Yeah. Straight up gangster. Listen, Orange County is like bougie, but like I'm from LA. And so when I found out this, I was like, they're going to keep our stuff ransom. And so when we, we went in, we pre-recorded four church messages. And while, we, while my husband and I were teaching. He did two messages. I did two messages. We had volunteers pulling our stuff out of the venue wow. and putting it into our trucks. Side note, our trucks were broken into twice during COVID. <laughs> wow. So when I talk about resiliency, yeah. I literally need leaders listening to this podcast or even just lay leaders, volunteers, yeah. church attenders to know you've got to get up and like, no matter how many times you fall down, if you believe, which this is the call of Christianity to pick up our Christ. If you really believe that Christ was sincere in saying that there's no excuse. Yeah. Like there's people dying for their faith in Afghanistan and all around the Palestinian mm -hmm. region. And yet we are sad because we lost our venue. Sure. They're losing their heads, like literally. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to be like all like death's doomsday prophet, but yeah. we've, we've gotten really comfortable in our Christianity here. It's, it's so interesting because I, I struggle with that, the comparison uh, on both ends. Sometimes I, I end up being that person who I feel like is like, oh my gosh, look at how wealthy we are as a country. And, you know, <laughs> like you, you know, you go, I don't know. You just, you go anywhere else in the world and you right. see it and, or you go into a slum and you come back from the trip and you're like, I'm going to sell everything. I'm getting <laughs> rid of it. Every shoes, all, all of it, the house is gone. And, and I think there's a, there's a part of that, that heart that obviously God wants us to, to um, listen to. But I think it's easy to look at the resiliency in other countries to say, well, they're being resilient and I just, I'm comfortable. And so that's okay. But it's like what I've found, and, and I'd love you to maybe dive in a little bit deeper on this is like, you almost you almost have to search for, uh, not for resiliency, but you have to have dreams big enough to where being Hello. resilient happens. Because yep. in, in our country, we can, you could live a 
good, even maybe a great life and never do anything risky and yeah. just be like, we even a good church, we have a good thing. It's like, yeah, we're not trying to, I'm friends with the mayor and mm-hmm. he, we're good with each other and we got a couple hundred people and it pays my salary now. And we're then good. we're good. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I think when Christ empowered the, the 11 and then from the disciples to the apostles, from the apostles to the early church, nowhere in scripture are we seeing that like they had the option to choose easy. Sure. And I think that if we gave ourselves that same kind of like mandate and gosh, I'm here's, I'm going to pause because I'm, I don't want someone listening to think like, okay, that's just kind of hard nose. I also want to reconcile and say very honestly that there's multiple times, heck last week where I'm having this kind of conversation with myself, with God, with my husband saying, what the heck did we sign ourselves up for? Yeah. Like this is heavy. This is hard. Are you sure? Um, I really do feel yeah, and candor and disclosure. I feel like I'm Gideon in this season mm. where I know that God has told me I am a mighty warrior, but I'm like, well, can you change the fleece for me? Yeah. You know, like, can you give me another sign? Cause this is heavy and this is hard. But uh, again, I keep on going back to the mandates of Jesus, like mm. pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow Jesus. Yeah. So speaking to leaders, leaders in the church, if you don't believe this and you don't, and you are not gonna handle hard, get out the way mm. because that, that spirit is contagious. And so even within our team and our staff um, coming back, so, uh, so we opened on Easter of 2021. So we've been open for, I think five or six, no, sure. seven, I don't know, a couple months However now. However long it is. Yeah, like yeah. seven, eight months already. And now we're seeing that it's shifted. So people are coming back. We're really excited about that. We have, what hasn't come back and what we realized is that a year and a half of being outside of church, people have lost culture. Mm. And one aspect, culture of the church, culture of the church, yeah. culture of the church. And they picked up on other culture. Oh, which heck is yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> An attack and yeah. you know, vitriol's coming out in yeah. every way. Um, but so I think it's re-inculcating culture of our church because we were a baby church when the pandemic ha- sure. happened, but I felt like our culture was thick. And so now we have new people coming to the church. We have new leaders. So I'm talking about resiliency and constantly reorienting our team on like who we are, not just as Christ followers, but as the Father's House, Orange County, who are we? And then taking our team, and I don't want to say staff because there's only two people on paid staff um, and I'm not one of them. But yeah, but <laughs> I think a lot of people on that though, like they hear that like, oh, I'm sure like Bianca, she's there, her and the team, they just got so many people. It's like, you're no. you're, you're not like a church planner, like, yeah, we got $3 million just given to no. us. And then like, we have 10 staff that one donor in the church paid for for 10 years. No. It's like, you're actually doing it. Not that, I mean, people would think differently, but I just think they, oh, Bianca speaks. She's such a well-known yeah. person, but it's like, you're still planting no, your a church. Your assessment is correct. And a lot of people think that. And they also think that our church is like 5,000 people instant, you know, instantaneously because of social media numbers or YouTube yeah. numbers. And it, it, it's, it's not. What we're realizing is that we're a digital global church. Now, everyone pre-pandemic that said digital global church, uh, I'm not going to say names of churches though, because they're awesome but people have maybe looked at some ministries and said, well, that's not real ministry. Let's discuss Ecclesia. Well, you know what COVID did? Mm-hmm. Everyone had to deal with, well, what is Ecclesia in this season? Yeah. And we had that conversation here. I mean, yes. we asked that question and that we, we had a real coming to grips with what what is, we never had an online campus. We always yes. showed online. Now we have an online campus, but it's like seeing people get saved and then come even visit or we yes. send people to baptize them. And you're like, yes. it, it's changing a lot of people's opinions. I don't, we don't want to change our theology, right? but like, 
this is different. This absolutely maybe okay. Absolutely. So we're so in the middle of wrestling through all of that. I had a conversation. And to answer your question or to, to address what you said, it's so true. We have two paid full time staff. I'm not one of them. We have three part time staffs: one for kids, one for social media, and uh, something else. I, I don't know. My husband's in charge of that, but. Um, is having conversation with our team and there's 14 people on our team who we would consider as staff and having conversation with them and letting them know, Hey, this is what I need. So for leaders out there, if you can't identify what you need, what you need, your staff will never be able to identify what you need Hmm. and you will always be let down and they will feel like they're always letting you down. So I pulled the team in. We have a a soul care night once a month. I cook for everyone. It's just Hmm. the value of our house. And I told them, I need you to have faith for our people because our people are hurting and they don't have faith. I need you to have faith in this house. God has sustained us through a crazy insane season. And we, our vision still remains intact. It's 10 churches in 10 years, reaching over 10,000 people. Mm. And then I need you to have faith in me and Matt as your leaders. Yeah. And that's what I need. So even that sense of culture, like we have to be a house that believes for the impossible. So it's resilience in training our team. It's resilience in restoring culture back into the church. It's resilience in saying no matter what com- comes our way, because here's the hard part of leadership. Like when we saw Carrie, wait, you said it. What did Carrie call it? The great, the great resignation. The great resignation. We had some key people on team hmm. who, I'm not gonna cry talking about it because it's it's like family, but, yeah. uh, who moved to be part of this vision. And they, they said everything they wanted. I want a multicultural church. I want it in an urban environment. I want to plant, I want to bring the gospel. And then the going got tough Yeah. and they left. And so when I talk about resiliency, it's like, it's either I believe this or I don't. Yeah. And as leaders, we need to get the chutzpah, the gumption, <laughs> the ganas to say, no, God has called us and we're going to do it. Yeah, I, th- I think that in, I mean, I, I've been working in ministry for five years, but I've, being a pastor's kid, been you in, were in bo- my we're whole born life. Yeah, uh-huh, exactly. Uh-huh. And so it's like, you know, it's like, okay, we, I, I know the church. <laughs> I think that's, to me, I've, I've observed that. I've seen that myself, but I've observed it even more. That's the hardest part of ministry is when you think there are people that are with you oh. and then they go. And, and, yeah. and the, the challenge is, I think there's, there's, there's two routes. One of them is man, it's really hard when they leave the faith because you're that, saying, ooh, I brother. led you to the Lord mm. and now you don't love Jesus anymore. I think that is super challenging, but maybe equally or oftentimes more. It's like, I love Jesus. I, we, ha- we still share the same values, but I don't love the mission of this church and I'm going to go be a part of it. Now. And you're like... So you still, we're still going the same direction, but like mm-hmm. you don't want to be a part. And I'm not equating, if someone doesn't follow Jesus, obviously that's more of a big deal. I'm not equating the, <laughs> the level of them, but in terms of how it makes us feel, it's like, it's, it, cause it's more confusing. Yes. It's like, so, but you love Jesus and you love the mission and you, you love that va- and you wanted to be in an ur- urban environment with a yeah. multicultural church and it checks all the boxes yeah. and you're leaving for why it's like in ministry, those are the things that I think fester for a long time. And then it's, yeah. does resentment build? Do you, now so do you this treat people builds. differently? This is what builds. All my triggers, I'm not enough. Mm. That's what it revealed in this season. And so um, I think for both my How husband- How long ago was that? That was, uh, we- 
It's like give the timeline, then they know who the people are. I'm not, I'm no, not, no, 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 yeah. it's fine. No, I promise you, no one's going to know who these yeah. people are because everything was done really well. And then sure. we were still closed down during this time. Okay. So this is the height of the pandemic, and we just got this building, and we were so excited. And then two months later, before Christmas. Mm. They said, yeah, that was the worst Christmas present. They said that they were gone wow. and that they, they loved us and they loved the mission, but they really feel called. And I don't, I don't want to deny that they did want to go back to their family. Yeah. Um, I just was a little bit confused because I thought we were all in this together. And so what I am trying to do is I don't want to put a wall up, but I do think it's okay for as leaders to kind of put a pillow near to your heart to protect your heart from anything else. Cause you're really susceptible and it's really hard. Um, I will say for leaders out there that are experiencing this micro, uh, my, these microaggressions, because it's not just when people leave you, it's when you have to let people go. Mm. Like people yeah. who, I mean, because we use nomenclature within the church, like family, and in real life, you can't fire your brother. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yet in church, we can. Sure. And so there's a whole other set of a side of like tension and pain and all the other stuff. So I think a lot of pain in leadership is when people leave and it feels like abandonment or when you have to let someone go and it feels like just you're mean and a yeah. jerk. And so in this season to safeguard that there is great counseling that we've surrounded ourselves with. Um, we fast as a regular discipline and we're trying to put in, even as church planters, like I hate the word, but it's biblical, but Sabbaths. And mm -hmm. um, that doesn't really shape up perfectly every week for Matt and I, because I do travel and he travels for uh, ministry and work and whatnot. But but having concerted time at the very least every three months where it's like two to three days where it's just like shut down yeah. being with God and hearing from him for like healing purposes. I've been, I've been wrestling with that. Um, I was at a conference a, a few weeks ago and they talked about the Sabbath and um, in a very strong way, um, you know, I guess saying it's, it's maybe arguably even sinful to not take it. And, and I, I've never really had that position. Um, although I understand it and, and, and I've been really wrestling with it because it's like how, God makes it very clear at the beginning that rest is important and mm -hmm. it should be uh, incredibly important. Mm -hmm. um, wh where, where then does the legalism, and again, this is kind of a rabbit trail, but it's like, where of the legalism of what the Pharisees had about the Sabbath, what can I learn from that? But then in the same way, am I just being legalistic about the legalism? <laughs> and then I'm saying, well, the Pharisees right. were legalistic about the Sabbath. Jesus right. wasn't Lord. So then I'm not going to rest. Yeah. And so I, I've been wrestling with that. I don't, I don't have a clear answer on it, but I just, it's been, I think, I do find from conversations, a lot of pastors find themselves there. Cause yes. okay, if in, in America, Sunday is kind of the Sabbath, but we also, it's for football and like, but, right. but then I'm working on Sunday and mm -hmm. then Saturday I'm prepping for work. So mm -hmm. I, I can't really take that off. And well, Friday seems like a good day, but that's mm -hmm. when all the family has stuff. And so maybe that's good. So I feel like there's that tension and it's right. like, I think what God's speaking to us again, not to dive too much into theology, but is rest. Right. Like that's the important part of it is to rest and to be intentional with it. And then I think, um, I love that. No, I actually do. I love this rabbit trail because I think as leaders, we're so busy. And then if there's any church planners out there, it's like the idea of rest. Yeah. It's like, it's like we just birthed a child. Like yeah. church planting is like you birthed a newborn and it's sleepless nights and it's crazy. And you want to pull your hair out and you hope and wish that your kid is cute, but you're not really sure because that's church yeah. planting right there. And so, but I think <laughs> if we dive into like the purpose of Sabbath, not what we do on Sabbath, but the purpose of Sabbath is to rest, to celebrate God and to honor what he has given us, yeah. which is life. And so I think the day, I think we've made a God of the day. I think we've made a God of the disciplines, but like, so for Matt and I, Sabbath is what are the things that fill our cups that we can celebrate God in gratitude mm -hmm. for me? 
uh, it goes from about Sunday night to Monday afternoon. And um, if this is helpful, I'll throw this out because yeah, I think sure. it's, we're redefining what Sabbath looks like. Yeah. So, Someone's going to say heresy. Yeah. 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 So on Sunday, I, uh, we're at church all day. We usually get home at like two or three. And then I, after being at church, preaching, serving, loving, hugging, whatever, I come home and I cook like a proper meal. And mm. then whoever my family, like bio family or extended family, church family, whoever wants to come over can come over. Um, I don't want to stumble anybody, but my husband is a sommelier. So there is this beautiful act of, of, of Sabbath and also just Jesus breaking bread and doing yeah. communion. We do physical communion. And, um, and then we just watch a movie or watch television or have conversation and it's straight up rest. And then on Monday, it's a slow morning. And that's when I'm spending time journaling. I'm processing Monday feels like a uh, verbal diarrhea to me because I feel like no matter what message I gave or preached, yeah. it was just never good enough, blah, 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 whatever. And then, um, I have a standing appointment with a counselor and it's via the phone, yeah. via zoom. And we get to process. And that to me is how I express gratitude yeah. unto the Lord because I'm processing the good, the bad, the ugly and celebrating that he's given me life. Totally. And um, for my husband who is, he's an Enneagram eight, it's totally different. <laughs> His recharge is different, but I think as yeah. leaders, we have to identify what are the things that fill my cup that I could celebrate the life that God has given me and the call that he's put upon my life. Yeah, so. yeah I think the, the big thing that I see in scripture is about the the pausing of, right. of the the mission, the pausing of the work. I mean, yes, even sir. you talk about church planning in the business world, the entrepreneurial culture is like, well, it's you got to do everything, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And I think part of that, and and one of the things my, my dad's expressed even to our team is he's like, I think we could maybe be a bigger church. I think we could do bigger events, but at the cost of our families. Uh, yes. So so I think the question that so a lot good. of times we need to ask ourselves is you know, even talking about like what we talked about earlier. Maybe you're just staying put. But at, at the same time, maybe you're working too hard. Maybe you're working too less. Um, I think it was Christy, right? He said this. She has a new book out, but it's uh, do the right thing at the right time. You right. know, it's, it's not like the first time anyone said it, but <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think for so many of us, we feel like, okay, if I work 40 hours or if I work 50, I'm working this and, and that becomes a badge, that becomes this. But as a church planner, you well, God, what do I, right. like, I need to work hard for you. And I, then it goes right back to the story of Mary and Martha. Right she did the right thing is just sitting with me. And it's mm -hmm. like, and I know a lot of times people talk about that with the Sabbath, but I think it's, I think it's true. I think it's right. Like, can, can I do in better in six what I do? Chick-fil-A does. I mean, it, right. let's be honest guys. If Chick-fil-A can Sabbath <laughs> and Come pastors on. can't, I mean, for real right. though, Chick-fil-A is the number, I think they're, they pass KFC. They sell more chicken than anyone in our country <laughs> as a business. They Sabbath, but we can't, you know, right. they, they take a day and, and it's like, if the world, and again, I know they're Christian chicken, but it's like, if the world is doing what God's telling us to do better than what we're what doing, we're doing. Yes. that says something. Now here's, okay. So, um, I'm saying yes and amen to that. But as pastors, sometimes we feel like, well, you can't help if someone dies, like if there's a funeral or sure. a hospital visit. And so then we're automatically yeah. like, they oh, died yeah. on the Sabbath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, so like, what do you do? So for me, I know this is going to sound a little like cold or whatever, but I made a decision. I'm just not doing weddings anymore unless they're a part of our staff. Sure. I don't do weddings and I don't do funerals. If mm. we can't equip lay leaders to handle that, sure. mm, I'm not too sure. And what happens is that we, uh, I mean, for Matt and I, maybe it's perceived as a little bit of like celebrity. Oh, sure. well, Pastor Matt came and Pastor Bianca did this. No, 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 no. I've just made a decision because if I say yes to a wedding, I'm taking away from my family. Yeah. I'm taking away from sermon prep. I'm taking away from all this other stuff. And so we've been very intentional about grooming our staff, um, our team 
and licensing them and walking them through that so that we are just making certain decisions on yeah. certain days to say like, no, because as pastors, the temptation is like, do more, do more, do more. Yeah. And people are going to get hurt, but you have to be okay with like people's sorts of feelings. Totally. Ugh. Well, I think, I think what's interesting on that too, and, 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 you know, maybe you're, you would say you're one way or the other, but I think doing something versus participating, like, for example, you mentioned, I'm, I don't do funerals. Well, that doesn't mean you don't grieve with the family. Right. That, and I think that's yes. part of it too, to say it's like, Oh, well, that's great. But that's great. On, you could, what if you did the funeral, but you'd never grieved with the family. And pastor them and love yeah. them. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, I, oh, did, I did the funeral. And, but then they'd say, yeah, but like you actually never came over when yeah. you, you didn't text me the week later when, when yes. it was a week after or yes. the, a month after or a year yep. later. And, and that's something that uh, my dad has mentioned at our staff. He said, set a reminder when you know, somebody has lost someone that they love, set a reminder one year later for that date in your phone and to say, text them today because they know that's the date that they lost their husband or their brother or somebody, that's but we're never so going to remember. And so when you get that reminder, you send them a text, Hey, I know it's one year since you lost that person. I mean, as a pastor, it's wow. like, we're never going to remember all those things, but how important is that to that person? And it's not cheating. It's, I mean, it's like writing it down it, right. do it, but that's so be good. intentional. So I think mm. that's a lesson to people as well is, are we, oh, I preached at their funeral or I did the wedding instead of, no, I was, I showed up to the oh, wedding. That's great. And I didn't have to work on the prep. I didn't have to do their marriage counseling. We, we have that in place. You want it to be good and well, but I was there and that was what was important. They yeah. want me to be there. They don't need me to do everything. Honestly, they probably would rather you didn't, Yeah. you know, but they want you to know that you love them and you care. That is so good. And we just, one of our key volunteers, we love her to bits and pieces. Uh, she just lost her hus husband due to COVID and, mm. um, it like it it rocked us, and yeah. I'm I know the exact date. I'm gonna put it in my phone yeah. right now after yeah. this. Yeah, no, I podcast. think there's a lot of people. I mean, whether it was from COVID or from other things, just there, we loss has been a big part, and so I yeah. think people are, are more open about sharing about people yeah. they've lost. And I think that's such a good. When he said that, it's like wow, that's such a good reminder for us to do that. I mean, you think about it on your birthday, and and honestly, like <laughs> your birthday is the day you probably need it the least. Right. Like you need the random text <laughs> from people the least yes. on your birthday. You're like, oh, we haven't talked in six years, and you just text me on my birthday. We're good. Friends, great. <laughs> it's like no, you. They need it on the the tough moments. They Absolutely. need it on the on the anniversaries that that no one's texting them. So I think that's a a, a cool thing, and and I'm glad you're doing that. Um, as we as we come to a close here, I, I I'd love to just kind of give you a last word. But as we talk, we've talked about a lot of things. We've gone on some rabbit trails about rest and about taking care of ourselves and church. What 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 are you excited about looking ahead? You know, obviously you're getting back. Ooh. You're getting people enculturated yeah. again. Mm -hmm. um, but but. What are, what are some of those things that doesn't feel like work to you? That, that it's just Let me, I, I don't even need to think twice about this. Let me tell you something. I know I am, I know I probably sound like a crazy lady and I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I believe that the spirit of God is, there's something happening and I'm cautious with my words, but I believe that there's something, there's something in the air. And um, I believe that God is moving for, I'm not going to go as far as saying, oh, end time harvest. But I will say is that the revival that we saw in 1971, the Jesus movement, um, was on the beaches in California. And uh, my husband and I, this is during 2020, during COVID, uh, the wildfires like came literally 200 feet from our house. We were mm. evacuated. We were out for an entire week. God was so gracious and spared our house and all the houses in our area, which we're so grateful for. But uh, when we were evacuating and getting out, there was this thick smoke. I mean, the sky was orange. You could barely see three cars in front of you. Cars are backed up, getting out of our area. It's there's soot in the air. There's black everywhere. Uh, trees are burning. And in that moment, I, I did not hear an audible voice, 
but I knew that the spirit of God was telling me California is known, is known for our wildfires. It happens every year, every other year, but there's going to be spiritual wildfires that are going to come mm. along the West coast wow. and it's going to sweep the nation. There is revival that's coming. I don't know when, and until the Lord does it, I will be continually pushing people and prodding people um, here at Sparkle. I have, I did Sparkle four years ago. I have spoken mm-hmm. at River Valley a number of times and I feel like I have curried uh, trust with Pastor Rob and Pastor Becca mm-hmm. and that they give me latitude. But last night at Sparkle, I think is just the beginning of what we're going to see. Mm-hmm. Last night, there was people standing for, uh, for healing. Wow. Last night, there was words of knowledge that were spoken. And I'm, I pause a little bit because I think people with different theological backgrounds might push back. I just don't care anymore. Jesus said, hello, come on. Jesus said that the things that he did, we will do in greater. And yet we have been so placated and we're fine with a 72 minute message, a thank you, hallelujah, amen, praise the Lord. And we're out the door. Um, People are not tithing, people are not serving, people are not in in small groups and e-groups and community groups. They're not doing what Christ has called us to do. But let me tell you something. There is going to be revival that happens and there will be people that will take the gospel of Christ and move it forward. And I think that River Valley, what you guys are doing, you guys are sowing in in literary ways, not literal, literary, with books that are coming out. You are sowing in musically, you are sowing in financially. I was a witness to the pastors of this house committing to churches in Europe to fund conferences. Revival will take place. And right now God's looking. Second Chronicles 69, the eyes of the Lord wander to and fro mm-hmm. to see whose heart is loyal yeah. to him so that he can show himself strong. Brother, there is revival that's coming. And I wait in eager anticipation, like come Jesus, come Jesus, come Jesus, do it because people need the Lord. Wow. Amen to that. <laughs> I, I think all of us are ready to do it. And wherever uh, Bianca's goes, you're, you're bringing the revival with you, right? And so I hope, I hope let's well, bring that fire. Well, we're so glad you were here. I'm, I'm taking that message. I think all of us are resonating with that and just taking that with us. I just encourage those listening, like speak that over yourself. Just cause, I mean, just cause you say it, like they can say it too. Absolutely. Like they, they can proclaim that too. Yes. Like, like from California to the East coast, to yep. other countries, wherever it is, it's like God is working and he wants to use us. Absolutely. His eyes are looking, be that person that got guys, God's eyes you know, figuratively stop on and say, wow, I want to use that person. I want to use the Timothy. I want to use, you know, the Esther. I want to use these people to do amazing things. So you've been a blessing to us. Thank you. I love you guys. I really, really, really do. We love having you. I'm sure you'll be back sometime very soon again on the teaching team. But (laughs) it's 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 a joy, Bianca. Thank you so much. Thank you.